open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host at Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. We have with us one of our returning guests, Jonas Schnelli. He's co-founder of Bitbox and actually number seven in terms of commits to the Bitcoin Core project. Welcome to the podcast, Jonas. Thanks, Trace, for having me. Yeah, so what kind of got you excited about Bitcoin? You've spent a significant amount of your time in this space. Like, why do you do it? Yeah, it's a good question. So when I started in uh, look at Bitcoin in 2011, I thought it's maybe another bullshit level of the internet. But um, I quickly had to figure out that the whole system looks stable. The, the primitives that was used were uh, kind of proved. And then I spent two years looking at Bitcoin. And in 2013, I decided to uh, work more or provide more contributions to the uh, ecosystem. Nice. What are some of those contributions that you've made? Initially, I uh, was focusing on the UI, like optimizing icons and things like that. But I quickly had to figure out there's way more things that we need to fix before getting mass adoption, which are going down to the deepest level of the protocol. And I had to learn all the details from the UI down to the core level. And um, I did a lot of uh, changes on, on the peer-to-peer level and on uh, on the GUI. So the whole... Bitcoin versus millibit versus uh, Satoshi's in terms of the display that's uh, coming down to what you're doing, huh? <laughs> Initially, it looked like that. I thought this will uh, help most, but um, I had to figure out it, it's also, I mean, why do we have 100 gigabyte uh, you need to store in order to run a full node? And uh, on the way, then we, we got to prune peers and stuff like that, which is usability in a form where it doesn't touch the UI, but still it's like uh, essential to run stuff easily. And so what exactly is happening with this pruning? Uh, pruning is a, a very easy uh, way, or if you look at the blockchain, initially you need the blockchain to verify um, all the transactions. And once you have verified a block. It, it's no longer useful for your personal trust model. The only use you have from the block is providing other peers to bootstrap. So it's more of a network uh, health uh, thing. So it's perfectly fine for your own trust and security if you discard blocks after, let's say, 144 uh, blocks stepped. And so you can essentially run a full node with like 10 gigabytes of data. Yeah, which makes it just incredibly easier in terms of the system requirements because what are we at right now like 160 gigabytes or something like that yeah with some indexes it, it's 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 that size uh, and it's increasing a lot like we have a lot of full blocks right now so it's a lot of gigabytes required per year so if you uh, design a system today where you want to have four uh, years of capacity 
you need to plan with a lot of data coming into uh, through the through the time of these four years. So, how about like pruning and SPV? Like, because you've done some work in the SPV arena, also, right? Yes, I mean, if you run a pruned full node, that's uh, way more trust and security, or no 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 trust and, and security than an SPV node. You can actually run SPV clients against the prune node if you have uh, connected them together earlier. Although if you want to support like traditional SPV wallets like Brad Wallet or Android Shield Boch Wallet, these are uh, non-functional with pruned peers, especially if they uh, run behind more than a week. So what would be the difference between an SPV node and a pruned node? A pruned node has a, a UTXO set which means it, it has a full validated chain, it has a mempool, it can estimate fees, uh, while an SPV wallet still needs to trust the existing full node. So it's, it's a way different uh, model compared to having a full node. And the prune node is still a full node in the sense of full verification, not the full blockchain. But as I said, the only use case for the full blockchain is helping other peers to bootstrap. So a full, like a, a full-blown mempool, what exactly is going on with a mempool? Uh, a mempool is essential, the, 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 the element when, when there's transactions being broadcasted initially, they end up in the mempool of the peers. So during the time of forming a block, miners will look at the mempool, collect uh, the most economical uh, transactions and form those into a block. Uh, usually the mempool is way larger than uh, one single block. So um, it's like a competition of these transactions to get into the next blocks. And the mempool is a requirement to kind of have a peer-to-peer system of these transactions. And it's also very handy to estimate fees because you can look at all these transactions that, that are competing uh, for the next block. And so you know what fees you need to pay in a trustless manner. While with SPV wallets, you need to trust a provider of these fee estimations, which usually uh, had in the past a tendency to overshoot. And so this is very important then also to get a better fee uh, market. So why is it so important for people to run a full node? If you look why Bitcoin was or how Bitcoin was designed, it was designed to eliminate trusted third parties. It's all about having a system where you don't need to trust anyone. And as soon as you break out that full validation, if you try to avoid that, you're essentially building other trusted third party in a way with SPV it's like in between but if you not use SPV and not use a full node it's like PayPal in my opinion it's it's not, it's, it's not much different and even with SPV there's a lot of trust elements you need to uh, need to keep so if you want to use what Bitcoin's main property you you need to run a full node you need to do a full verification now, are there different use cases where you might want to use a full node in one particular case, but you would be just fine using either a pruned node or even SPV in a different use case? And perhaps you could let us know what some of those use cases might be. Yeah, I think if you want to be your own bank, if you if you seek that independence and that decoupling from the financial system, I think you must run a full node at some point because otherwise you trust like no longer maybe no longer the banks, but you trust some peers uh, that may be run by a bank. So you don't know. It's it's just a shift of the trust layer. 
And I think you can run a full node at some point at, at some place and still have the capability to run SPV uh, clients somewhere else on your smartphone. And ideally you connect those two worlds together. But if you're, if you have like, it's the same with money. So you have the vast majority of, the, of your money you probably don't have at home. You have it, you have that stored up in a bank or in a vault and your daily spendings you have in a wallet you keep with you. So the same model is probably possible for like hot cold storage, so smartphones versus uh, a bank at home in, in the form of a box, a uh, node in a box or something. So what is this Bitbox that you're working on? Bitbox it's, uh, is a product from Shift Cryptocurrency, a Swiss company I've co-founded. And Bitbox is a hardware wallet, traditional hardware wallet. And there are other products we're planning that goes more, go, go more into the direction of a full node, but Bitbox is a hardware wallet, right? So is it in the same kind of arena or category as like a le- Trezor or a Ledger or Open Dime or Cold Card, these types of things? Yeah. So, um, when we started the company, there was only, uh, Trezor and Ledger. Even Trezor was like, uh, building or had proposed its first product when we had, when we started with the idea so it was very early it took us a, a lot of time to get the product out because it's it's complicated it's hardware and the idea was like to not have only one or two competitors or uh, market players there because that essentially hurts security of the end users so and i also think the market will always be ready for a couple of uh, providers because of that problem that the single vendor is not good could you could you perhaps elaborate a little bit on what types of problems can kind of creep up or potentially become as a result of using these customized hardware like hardware that's customized for bitcoin mm-hmm. key management specifically <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, if, if, if people start to figure out there is a single uh, vendor that like, uh, is used from a lot of high value Bitcoin holders, then this is a target. The production facilities, the whole production chain is a target because if you can manipulate at that point, you can eventually manage to steal a lot of funds. You can distribute that if you have multiple vendors, multiple production chains. And then you can combine as end users, you can, you can combine by either splitting your funds onto two platforms or even by combining them in a multi-sig to a single uh, a vault. And I think this is essential for end user security. And the more players we have, the better end user security we get at the end. What about with resellers? For example, like when they're being sold on eBay or Amazon, what should users kind of be alert to? Yeah, it's 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 a big problem. It's still it's still very immature how we uh, how the whole community deals with that. I think ideally there must be visual uh, proofs that users can verify, like how the hardware wallet should look like. And second, there is some initial things they need to check: is it preloaded with a seed, which is like a big danger <laughs> sign. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and of course, uh, software you interact with your hardware wallet must like it make users aware of that but i think it's still very immature we're still building these processes and hopefully in two three years we're we're ready for a greater mass adoption so what has really motivated you as a developer because you've been through the ups and downs in terms of the price Mm -hmm. like why why stick around (laughs) 
Yeah, you, you set up some downs, right? But when I started, and um, of course I had to buy some bitcoins to play with, it was like at a very low figure, so one digit figure. And for me, everything that's that's available in the last couple of years is ridiculous high. So um, ups and downs, yes. Um, I see people come and go, people uh, from the investment side. But what really keeps me um, attached to Bitcoin is how the development happened and how strong the whole system is built. And I think it has the potential to... Uh, uh, to lead financial um, services in the next decades. And that, that makes me really convinced. And that, that's where I got the power from work on that system. Where is the strength in Bitcoin? Like if you, you know, what are some of the major pillars in your opinion of what makes this such a strong kind of phenomenon or asset? I think there's, again, multiple layers. One is probably the cryptographic sets that has been used in Bitcoin which are hard to change. Uh, and then second, the trust it, it gained. I mean, it's it's a multi-million and now multi-billion uh, honeypot you can fetch if you manage to break any of these assumptions. And nobody has achieved to break these assumptions and these cryptographical primitives. And this is like the base layer for uh, for trust that, that went into the system. And trust is very important for financial value. I mean, with shells, with gold, it's all about trust at the end. And I think it's hard to rebootstrap that because trust is not something you can build up uh, with, with a white paper. And this, this makes me think that Bitcoin will eventually be the only way how we can succeed in that cryptocurrency world. What is the most exciting thing on the horizon in this space, at least to you? Yeah, I think lightning just pops up then in my head because lightning fills the gap what we all have dreamed of, like a system where we can pay each other immediately without fees. And, and trustlessly? It, trustlessly, for sure. And I think if we manage to roll out that in a, in a good way, which looks like it's possible, I think we finally achieved that goal of having these immediately uh, trustless, uh, fee-less transactions and I think this will be then the way how we can roll out mass adoption with merchants and, and everyone can use it. I think this, this is, is the thing. So in addition to the, the merchant consumer use case, what other types of things can be built on Lightning that you are excited about? Yeah, when I started to look at Bitcoin, I had all these ideas of decentralized autonomous organizations and you know what else you can put on a blockchain. But also with reading a lot of academical papers and studies, I came to the conclusion that there, there eventually is no other use case than pure financial transactions because it looks like there's tons of great ideas, but at the end, is it possible to kind of uh, execute these ideas? Maybe not. I haven't seen any real use case besides financial uh, transactions and eventually some time stamping. And I, I, I really much abandoned all those ideas in favor of maybe it's only for financial transactions. At least for now or in the foreseeable we'll future. <laughs> you know, before we kind of close the interview, what would be one or two pieces of advice that you would give all the listeners? Yeah, I think... Um, People who are uh, using Bitcoin right now should be aware that this is early tech. They should always be precautioned about their own security and setup. 
I think they should not forget that Bitcoin is only trustless if they uh, run full validation at some point. This is all, this is the main property and they should always not forget that if they go away from that, that this may lose the main property of why they have started using Bitcoin. And of course, one of the key points in the whole cryptocurrency space is key storage. They should manage or try to manage uh, their keys in a, in a secure way, which is painful, but they should not lose faith that that will be a solution at the end for them. So run a full node and hold your own private keys? <laughs> I think if you manage to do that, um, you're, you're pretty on the good side. You're doing it right. <laughs> well, we've had an excellent interview with Jonas Schnelli, co-founder of Bitbox and number seven in terms of commits to the Bitcoin Core project. Uh, thanks so much for being with us, Jonas. Thanks. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin Guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. 